0: Hello, I'm Miss Melan Gen Z, coming to you from the internet. Today, I will have my guest, Carlos E. Tips Sr.
1: Good morning, how are you?
0: Tell us about his novel, Miles to Go. Here's a brief summary of his novel. The family patriarch, Jacob Franklin Miles, is a, is a farmer, rancher, and trainer of golden retrievers, and has lived in Hopskip, Georgia, for most of his life happily. He raises a family of five with his childhood sweetheart, Dorothy Rosetta Miles. Circumstances beyond the Miles' family control have forced them to leave their hometown. Fearing for their children's safety, Jacob and Dorothy, aka Dottie, move their family to the Windy City. Being as this is part fish-out-of-water story, some of the family have a harder time adjusting to the big city life. Can activist and eldest son, Jacob Jr., survive without his precious Molly Beth, his forbidden lover, from the other side of the tracks? Will Jacob's daughter, Josie, forgive him for forbidding her marriage to smooth-talking Mac Hodges? Can the deacon forgive himself for his own actions, necessitating the hasty move north? Will their familiar bond be broken, adjusting to the challenges of life in the big city? With the burgeoning civil rights movement as a backdrop and many of his family at odds with his decision, Jacob Franklin Miles truly believes his decision is the right move for his family. He soon discovers, however, that his precious cargo has many, many miles to go. So to start off our interview, Inquiring Minds would like to know who are the inspirations behind your characters?
1: Well, first, thank you for having me. To answer your question, most of my characters are based on people I know. For example, the father, Jacob Franklin Miles, is based on my own father-in-law, Mr. Haskell Miles, who, after an altercation with the son of the man whom he sharecropped for back in the 50s, decided to move north. Both of the daughters are based on my wife, and many of the characters are based on people I grew up with and other members of my own family.
0: I think that's really cool that you decided to base some characters off of your family and, you know, tell a story from there. So our next question is, why do you split up all of your chapters versus telling one big story?
1: Well, I split my chapters for the sake of character development. You'll notice in the book that the first six chapters, uh, six or seven chapters, are devoted to the main characters. Each character has a chapter, which, which basically develops their personalities and their characteristics. This gives the reader an idea of what to expect from them in later stories.
0: Do you think that your audience are more impacted by interpersonal stories?
1: Well, yes, I do. Uh, My readers identify with my characters because the stories are relatable. They're about them. I tell my readers, if you don't see yourself in my novel, you'll see someone you know, and it always happens. They see themselves or someone they know.
0: So what is your proudest moment as an author?
1: My proudest moment, surprisingly, was for this 63-year-old man to receive accolades from his high school English teacher. My teacher, Mrs. Farmer, who's featured in my novel, called to tell me how proud she was to read it and how intrigued she was after reading it. Her compliments after all these years still mean the world to this former student.
0: Wow, so I really like that, especially the part where your teacher, like, complimenting you because that's one of the greatest compliments you could ever get, like, from a teacher to tell you that, like, he or she or like they were like really impressed by your book. That, that's amazing. So with success comes unsolicited criticism, sometimes constructive and sometimes malicious. Do you, how do you handle criticism about your work?
1: That's a good question. I haven't received much criticism as yet, but the little I've received doesn't adversely affect me. I believe that criticism, if taken in measured doses, builds character. No one is perfect, but we get closer to that goal of near perfection, I believe, by listening to those who are honest enough to tell us we stink. So bring it on.
0: (laughs) Okay. I agree with you completely. That is totally true. Hearing the truth is just very therapeutic and can build on to your success. So in the novel, there is a present interracial couple in your book, Their names are Jacob Miles Jr. and Molly Beth. So my question is, how important is it to keep character relationships varied in your various works?
1: Well, as I noted previously, I want people to be able to identify with my characters. So my characters can't be an all-African-American family. I have to have people of other cultures. So I believe it's important that I incorporate those people of other cultures in my novel. Uh, for instance, the landlady next door has Spanish roots. The officers whom Jacob encounters in the park, one of them is of German, uh, Polish descent. And the man who eventually interviews him for a job, it's re- is revealed that he has, that his ancestors rather, were unfortunately part of the Japanese in- internment camps.
0: I really like the variety that is present in your books. So how would you describe the bond between Jacob's, Jacob Miles Jr. Little Lil Daddy, is that what you call him?
1: Yes. That's his nickname.
0: Okay. So how would you describe the bond between Lil Daddy and, and Molly Beth and could you see them having to hide their bond because of strife from other characters and why?
1: Okay. Where, the, where do I start? Okay. The bond between Lil Daddy and Molly Beth started when they were children. Molly Beth's mother abandoned her at the age of eight and because Molly Beth had no one, had nothing in common with her brother or her father, she gravitated to her little daddy and their friendship uh, blossomed into love. Now, as far as uh, having to hide it, most definitely. In the late 50s, early 60s, interracial couples were frowned upon in the little town of Hopskip and pretty much a great deal of the South. So they felt that it was necessary to hide their relationship from others.
0: Who are your favorite writers and why?
1: Well, if the categories on Jeopardy were James Baldwin, Richard Wright, and William Shakespeare, I would probably sweep those categories. I'm very fond of their work, particularly those of that genre who put their lives on the line to speak their mind. Uh, They spoke for a nation with no voice. William Shakespeare, whose work can be found borrowed or adapted at least five or six times a week in movies and television shows. And uh, I like biographies biographers rather who open their lives to the world, sometimes good and sometimes outstandingly horrid. These authors, I believe, are incredibly brave.
0: What inspires you to write?
1: I've always loved writing. It's how I won my wife's heart. I used to write poetry, original songs, uh, I wrote plays with my friends in the third, in the third grade, uh, love letters, that kind of thing. I'm now inspired by the need to leave a legacy for my grandchildren, showing my babies that regular folk can write, inspire them to emulate me, and it's a good feeling.
0: So my next question is, why do you decide to market towards the African Americans?
1: Well, I started off marketing to African American audiences, but then uh, the more people who read my book, They showed it to their friends and I showed it to a few friends at work who weren't African-Americans and they were able to relate to it as well as anybody else. So now I find myself marketing to uh, whoever likes to pick up a good book and read.
0: You know, I think that makes a really great story when you're actually able to not only market to one group of people, but multiple groups of people, because we may not know it. But like a lot of the times people have similar stories to us and it's really great to be able to relate to those type of stories that like just are for a lot of people
1: you're so right i found out that we can relate to one another a lot more than we know in fact um, truth be told we're more alike than we are different
0: how do you determine when and where to market your books and has it financially paid off for you
1: well judging from the feedback from the past year or so it looks like my core audience is women although men are interested as well but my core audience is basically women it's become a favorite of book clubs uh, and congregationalists people in the church even though i've recovered most of the money i've invested in my novel finance was never my initial goal as i said my initial goal was to leave a legacy for my grandchildren
0: do you try more to be original or to deliver to readers what they want
1: I try to deliver to readers what I believe they want. As I tell anybody who reads my stories, if you don't see yourself, you'll see somebody that you know, and in many cases they do. Because it turns out that uh, all of my stories are derived from childhood experiences, experiences that I've had or that I've seen happen to others or to people that I've interviewed and they said, hey, that happened to me as well. Or you can write about this. We experienced that a lot growing up in the uh, community.
0: Where is your ideal writing space?
1: My ideal writing space is my kitchen table in the middle of the night. I record ideas during the day and transcribe them in the AM when it's nice and quiet.
0: Which literary devices do you use most in your writing?
1: I'm fond of illusion. My novel is filled with references to real characters, uh, biblical references and scripture, uh, people from the Motown uh, recording studios, the Apollo, famous lesser known people. Uh, I use events, uh, historical events I mean as a backdrop, like the red Summer of 1919, the War in Vietnam, segregated swimming pools, movie references uh, like Casablanca, Raisin in the Sun. I use dream sequences also. I'm also a fan of imagery. If an author, I believe, is able to vividly paint a picture of his or her favorite character, then the reader gets a better image of that character and can readily identify with him or her.
0: In the book, there are racist scenes that are very relatable to the book's time period and now, of course. For example, in a flashback, a young Savannah Miles is tricked by a girl with ulterior motives to take a swim in a country club's segregated swimming pool. I commend you very much for writing this scene because it does happen more than we know. And were there any real-life events that inspired this scene?
1: Well, not me personally, but I have had friends to uh, whom this has happened. And I also recall a young Michael Jordan, the basketball player, not the actor, said that when he was younger, he was invited to a friend's house for a picnic slash swim in his his friend's swimming pool. Uh, He said that once he jumped in the pool, everybody else, his friend excluded, jumped out. And this is something that stuck with me for a long time, and I felt that somewhere down the line it had to, I had to write about it people have to remember that as much as things have changed, unfortunately, there are some things that have not.
0: Why are microaggressions necessary to include in books centered around specific time periods?
1: I believe the use of microaggressions are important to my novel in particular because it shows how far we've come or haven't come in race relations. For instance, in my book, landowner Marvin Brand tells our hero Jacob Miles that his son is going to be one of the quote, good ones, unquote. The inherent implication is that all other young Blacks are troublemakers. I want to remind the readers that though we've come a long way, like the old song says, we still have a long way to go.
0: I do agree that we have a long way to go. What has been some common mistakes you've made with writing, publishing, and marketing your books, and what did you learn from them?
1: One mistake, I believe, is common, and I'm sure a lot of authors will agree with me. That's the fear of throwing away material. Some authors do months of research on story ideas that, in the end, just don't pan out. Because of the time spent, authors sometimes are reluctant to throw it out and thereby waste more time trying to make something out of nothing. It shouldn't matter. If it doesn't work, no amount of rationalization will make it work. You have to wipe the slate clean and begin fresh. Now, in my quest to place my novel amongst book clubs and stores and schools, I tend to expect everyone to love my book and jump on the bandwagon as soon as they're notified of my novel. If they didn't, I made the mistake of moving on to the next person, believing that the previous person no longer deserved my time. I soon learned that marketing is a process. It could take months, could take years before that person that you contact is interested. So stay with it. And don't be too proud to make that call, even if it's a second, third, or fourth time.
0: There's a negative connotation in the writer's market that self-published books are not as good as traditionally published books. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Uh, My thoughts on self-published books. Okay, I have a friend on the job who wrote a book approximately seven, eight years ago. He never thought that self-publishing was the way to go either. Now, he also has a scrapbook filled with rejection letters from those traditional publishing houses. He was of the mind that if a book isn't reviewed and approved by traditional publishing houses, whether they're accepted or not, then the books aren't worth reading. My take on it, if you trust yourself and your work, it's worth paying to get it out there and let the world review it for you.
0: How has your work advanced readership in your community?
1: My community is the church. Those who have read my book always see themselves or someone they know. They see events or experiences that they have gone through or they know someone who has lived that life. My English teacher, I mentioned her before, Mrs. Farmer, told me that the best writers always have readers scrambling for something that's a lot similar, and I hope I've done that. My novel has always also given people the opportunity to say to younger folks, see, I told you that's how it was, and that's a great feeling.
0: Nice, nice. Thank you for sharing. Who are your favorite side characters in your novel?
1: That would have to be Brittany Abernathy and Bobby Matthews. Brittany Abernathy is a good friend of Josie's. They've known, known one another for years. And Bobby Matthews is the new boy in town whose father buys the general store. Bobby is white. Brittany is black. They fall in love and unfortunately they have to keep that a secret. Only a few people know I delve more into this uh, romance and how they met in my next novel, which should be out around the fall of 2021. Take a look.
0: So everyone, keep an eye out for book two in fall of 2021. What is the name of the last book that you've read?
1: The last book I read was To Be Loved by Barry Gordy. I love reading musical biographies, uh, Temptations, Diana Ross, Smokey, Johnny Cash, it's unbelievable the backstage stories of these men and women.
0: Okay, so now to get back to the novel, does Dottie's dislike of the family's landlord, Mrs. Flores, portray generational ideas of colorism?
1: Good question. And it does. Slaves of a lighter hue were often told by the slave master that they were better than their darker sisters. This was a way of keeping them in line. Decades later, Dottie was victimized by a church member who believed in that same nonsense. Although my novel takes place in 1962, this particular story still echoes today and is meant to portray how even today racism within the race still exists.
0: So there's another character in the book that is the father of Jacob Jr.'s girlfriend. And he basically asks Jacob Jr. to look after his daughter, you know, because she's going to the same school as him and he just wants him to look after his daughter around a lot of other black people so I guess my question is what about Marvin Brand's generational ideas in his well, through his interactions with Jacob Jr.
1: Ah, Marvin Brand one of my more complex characters Marvin Brand is a clueless idiot unfortunately he is a dangerous idiot the world is changing around him he thinks he's aware, but he's not why else would he ask one black teen to snitch on another for him I would say that in a nutshell, Marvin Brand is all for change as long as he's not affected, being the elitist he is, and the races still remain in their own particular lanes.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. He totally is a complex character. And don't we just love complex characters and literature? So there's another great character in this book. Her name is Josie, and I have a question about her. Do you think that Josie should have dropped a promising career for her boyfriend, Mac? Why or why not?
1: Ah, the path not taken. Had Josie dropped her career just to be with Mac, I'm sure that she would forever have looked back and wondered about what could have been. So no, I don't think she should have dropped, especially for somebody like Mac Hodges.
0: Would you like to give a few examples of how Mac has been toxic throughout the book?
1: Well, without giving away too much of it, we do discover later in the story that Mac hasn't been very loyal to Josie. Also, we find out that Mac has been making his money in a very unscrupulous fashion,
0: and I'll leave it at that. Okay, so thank you for coming today, and that leads us to our last question. Why should readers choose one of your books? Well,
1: I think book lovers should read my book because it tells great stories. Stories that reach us all. People my age see themselves in all my stories. Younger readers see their ancestors and I have an appreciation for what they experienced. My book is rich in history. Astute readers will understand that historical events affect us all. I plan to write more. I have a second book ready, which I mentioned earlier, ready for publication in the fall. More history, more experience. I'm loving it, and I'm sure you will too.
0: Well, thank you. I would like to personally say thank you, Carlos Tibbs, for joining me and discussing your book. It was really fun, and I hope the audience really enjoyed this episode
1: well thank you for having me i appreciate it
0: this is miss mountain and gen z signing off